Up in the Scriptures to Philippians chapter 4. Our text this morning will be verses 14 through 20. Please hear the Word of God. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, have read Your Word, I pray that uh, You would give me Your help as I uh, seek to apply Your Word to um, the lives and hearts of Your people. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night at the Progressive Dinner, Joe Bethany asked me if I had a good sermon pre- uh, prepared. And of course I told him I did. And uh, that it was on Christian generosity. So he needed to bring his checkbook. <laughs> but Christian generosity is not only about money. Um, although it often does include giving uh, monetarily, it can also be about uh, giving time and attention, uh, giving those things away to someone else. Furthermore, Christian generosity um, is more than just about uh, tithing. In fact, the generosity that the Philippians uh, directed towards Paul was not even likely part of their tithing. What we're reading about here um, is my contention is not about uh, the Philippian church uh, tithing. The generosity that the Philippians directed towards Paul was probably over and above uh, their tithes. I believe the, Christ- the Philippians uh, gave their support to the mission and ministry of their local church. Uh, but then in addition to that, um, it seems that they took up uh, additional collections to send to Paul. In the first drafts of the sermon, I spent uh, over a page uh, reminding you of how Paul started the Philippian church going back into the book of Acts and how their relationship, how Paul's relationship with the Philippian church grew so deep. Uh, I found it really interesting, uh, but I edited it out of the sermon in the interest of times. So let it suffice. Um, for you to know that Philippians loved Paul deeply, and Paul likewise loved the Philippians. The Philippians uh, began supporting Paul with financial gifts from the moment he had to leave Philippi 
and go to Thessalonica. So from them becoming a church after uh, him being in Philippi for just a, a few short weeks, gathering a, um, a, a collection of believers, um, uh, starting with Lydia, the Philippian jailer, and others. Um, he was then escorted out of town and uh, by the, the town officials, if you remember back to the end of Acts chapter 16. And he left and went to Thessalonica. The Philippian Christians immediately began gathering gifts together to send to support Paul, even while he was in the next town over. Um, in fact, we read about this in verse 16. Um, the Apostle Paul says, Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. And so he's reminding them how immediately they began uh, supporting them. And then when Paul take, uh, began taking up collections on his third missionary journey, and remember these collections on his third missionary journey, and for those of you who are visiting, we spent a year or two in the book of Acts. And so we talked about all these things. But anyway, on his third missionary journey, he took up a collection for the impoverished um, Christians living in Jerusalem. And so he went through Asia Minor and then into uh, Macedonia and, uh, and gathered these collections to take back with him to Jerusalem. And no other church gave like the Philippians. Paul especially has the Philippians in mind when he talked about the generosity of the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians 8. And so we read in our responsive reading uh, Paul here talking about the Macedonian churches and I believe specifically uh, talking about the generosity of the Philippians. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in the severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. It's the relief of the saints in Jerusalem. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So, um, this is the, the Philippian congregation. They were a generous uh, congregation. And their uh, support of Paul uh, continued even when he was not with them. He was there with them for those first few weeks and then he was gone for over a space of two years. But We know this because he was in Ephesus for two years before he went back to Antioch and then began his third missionary journey. This relationship between Paul and the Philippian church underscores the first point of the sermon. Namely, Christian generosity is a means of fellowship. I want you to look at verse 14. In verse 14 in Philippians chapter 4, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And then, uh, do you see that word share in verse 14? That word share is derived from the word koinia, from which we get the word fellowship. That's why we have the koinia, small group. They are the fellowship, small group. And then look at verse 15. 
And it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. See that word partnership? That word partnership is again derived from the word koinia. And so he's saying, you entered into a fellowship with me. Here's the point. The bond, the fellowship between Paul and the Philippians is so strong that they ended up completing each other's lives. Here's Paul. He's locked away in a, in a, in a prison in Rome. And so the Philippians have heard about this and they are grieved in their hearts because one they love so dearly is locked away in chains. Paul has financial needs. And so the Philippians complete what he needs. They give to him generously. The Philippians, on the other hand, are discouraged by the persecution that they are enduring. They are discouraged by the divisions in the church. And so Paul writes one of the most encouraging books of the Bible to encourage them in the midst of their discouragement. The point is, Christian fellowship is so much more than meeting together to have a Bible study and sip some coffee. Now those kinds of meetings are expressions of true Christian fellowship. We don't want to denigrate those in any way. They are wonderful. They are important. They are parts of Christian fellowship. But it's not the totality of Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is so much more. It is the sharing of your lives together with God at the center. It is, it is inwardly hurting when another, per, uh, when another person in the church is suffering. It is supplying their needs. It is giving generously to that person with no thought of repayment. All these things constitute Christian fellowship. And so, the way the Bible defines Christian fellowship is so much deeper than simply passing each other by and saying, how are you doing? And answering, fine. It's so much deeper than sitting in the same sanctuary on Sunday morning. In fact, I will take it further. If you are unwilling to share with another believer, uh, you are not concerned for your brother or sister in Christ. James says, James 2, verses 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? In other words, you're not fellowshipping. The idea of Christian generosity is important to the fellowship and to the life of the church. But it's often overlooked. It's often treated as optional. This idea of Christian fellowship, I'm sorry, of Christian generosity is not optional. For every one of us, Christian generosity is an obligation. But Christian generosity 
not simply an obligation. It's also an indescribable blessing. Look at verse 17. Paul says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. When I read this the first time, at first glance it almost sounds as if Paul is thankless and impolite. Well, thank you, but thank you for the gift, but I really don't need it. Is the way I read it the first time, where he says, "Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit." But that's not what he's saying. It's far from what he's saying. Rather, what he's saying is that the gift he received from them is not as important to him as the blessing that they will receive by being generous. See, Paul knew that their generosity meant that the Philippians were laying up treasures in heaven. Each time that they gave um, they each time they gave generously to Paul, at the very same time they were laying up treasures in heaven. You remember how Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for he he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, Paul knew that the Philippians' generosity to him was a double blessing for them. First of all, their generosity meant that they were not beholden to money. And therefore, they were free to serve God wholeheartedly. And secondly, that their generosity was going to add to their happiness once they got to heaven. Now, you cannot buy your way into heaven. Um, Being generous won't save you. But it does seem to... Jesus seems to suggest when He talks about laying up treasures in heaven, when Paul talks about uh, seeking a fruit that increases to your credit, it seems to be that being generous will in some way affect your eternity. Uh, It will make your eternity even more blessed if you are generous here on earth because you love Christians, or because you love Christ and you love Christians. You know, it's a staggering thought, really. Think about it. By being generous, you can do something here in this life that will follow you into eternity. A timely gift of generosity to a brother and sister in need will affect you for millions of years down the road. By being generous, you are laying up treasures in heaven. I don't know exactly what that means, but it does seem like that it would make you happy to have more treasures up in heaven, don't you think? (laughs) The gift that Paul uh, received, it says in verse 18, was delivered to him by Epaphroditus. And Paul calls this gift a fragrant offering. And so verse 18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. 
I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Now by calling this sacrifice a fragrant offering, a an acceptable um, a sacrifice acceptable to God, uh, what that does is it calls us, recalls to our, our minds the language of the Old Testament sacrifices, and in particular the thank offerings that uh, Israelites uh, gave under the Old Testament law. The thank offerings were burnt, were burnt offerings, and you offered an animal on the altar, and it was burnt to a crisp. Or as one of the children said, it was burnt to the bone. Uh, There was nothing left but ashes. And God said that this charred, burnt smell was a pleasing aroma to Him. And I don't think it was because of the actual smell that it was pleasing. But rather, it was the expression of thankful worship in the person's heart that motivated them to make the thank offering that was a pleasing aroma to God. And so, I think Paul's telling the Philippians that the amount of money that he received uh, was not uh, ultimately important to him. It wasn't ultimately important to God. But the Philippians' love for Paul and the Philippians' love for the ministry of the Gospel brought joy to Paul's heart. Most importantly, it was a pleasing aroma to God. It brought joy to God's heart. Um, it made the Philippians smell especially pleasant to God. And it is really staggering <laughs> that we... Even though we are sinful, even though we know our sins and our sins are are uh, abominable, and we will be sinners the whole rest of our lives, staggering to think that we can do something that make God that makes God smile. A simple act of generosity makes God smile. Of course, the opposite of true. If you close your hands to a brother and sister in need, if you refuse to be generous, you are also closing your hands to the joy that God offers us in the Christian life uh, and to the happiness that is found in Jesus Christ. And, of course, God is displeased if we are not being generous to our brothers and sisters in Christ that Christ purchased with His own precious blood. Finally, I want you to look at verses 19 and 20. The Apostle Paul says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, most Christians look at verse 19 and they say, this is one of the most precious uh, promises in all the Bible. I look at this verse and it just seems kind of funny to me. Maybe I have a weird sense of humor. Because I look at this verse and I know that the Philippians know, the Philippians know that Paul has great needs. And he's in jail. And also what was unusual 
about um, when he was in jail, he was on house arrest. He had to pay his own um, his own living expenses for the privilege of being locked away in a jail. Uh, so if he didn't pay for his expenses, he went hungry. And so the the uh, Philippians, you know, it is their desire. Paul, was our gift generous enough? Was it enough to meet all your needs? He doesn't answer it. Rather, he turns it around in verse 19 and lets them know that their needs will be met. Um, And so he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. They sent Him this large gift. He is certainly in need because He's in jail. But He just turns it completely around. My God will meet all your needs in in Christ Jesus. That to me is, is kind of funny. Well, here's what's happening. Paul knows that God blesses generosity. The more generous you are, the more God will enable you to be generous. A person, in other words, I'm sure many preachers have said it before, a person cannot outgive God. I want you to listen to the second half of our responsive reading. Uh, we read it, but maybe it didn't strike you. Listen to how God promises to make a generous person even more generous so that they can be even more generous. Paul says this, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. He who supplies sowed Seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed, not for you to keep, but for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Paul knew that the generosity of the Philippians toward himself meant that God would supply every need that the Philippians could have. I want you to look at verse 19 again. Look at that last phrase. He says, My God will supply every need of yours, and then this is what I want you to notice, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Typically, we think that God has a rich storehouse of blessing. We need a blessing. God pulls out a blessing, gives us a blessing. Um, that's not really what it's saying. He says He gives us according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let me try and make it a little more clear. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that we are going to give something uh, to another person out of our riches. And so we pull out our wallet, pull out a dollar bill, give them something according to, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, out of our riches. Kind of like when I give my children, you know, something out of my riches. I pull out my my wallet and I give them a dollar. <laughs> if I have a dollar to give them. Uh, if I feel like giving them a dollar. <laughs> um, but that's basic, you know, I'm giving them something out of my riches. 
But that's not what the text says. It says He gives us according according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So if we're going to give some, someone according to our riches, what God does is He comes, He takes us, puts His arm around our shoulder, and He walks us into His house, into His treasury, where there is this storehouse of blessings. And He says, what's yours, um, or what's mine is yours. Um, that's the way God blesses us. What's mine is yours. You know what is most beloved to God? His own Son, Jesus Christ. He says, here is my own beloved Son. I give Him to you. I give Him to you totally and completely. And He is without cost to you. And frankly, if you have Jesus, you have enough. If you have Jesus, you have everything. But not only that, He sovereignly takes care of us as well. And He gives us the promise that He works everything together for our good. Now, Paul had no house. He had no car. Of course, they weren't invented then, but he had no vehicle, no way to get around. He was chained to another man uh, on house arrest. He had no spouse. He had no freedom. He had nothing. But look at all we have. We are the world's most affluent nation. No nation in the history of the world can compare to what we have presently. And, and we're in the middle of a downturn economy. And yet we still are the most affluent. But we are consumed not with contentment and joy. We're consumed with misery and worry. God's way is better. Give generously and you will be blessed. Give generously, you'll store, store up treasures in heaven. I'm going to make one final application and I'll be done. You know, as a congregation, we're behind in our budget for the year. But that's not my concern this morning. Uh, my concern is for our missionaries. Uh, we give our missionaries 10% right off the top uh, of our budget. And so if we're down, then our giving to them is down. Uh, and I want to encourage you as you are thinking about your end-of-the-year giving, Think about those missionaries. Um, think about our WIC love gift. Uh, you have an, uh, an, an insert in your bulletin about the Ganavese Children's Home and about SIE and his family. Think about how you can be generous to them as we look outside our own interest and are generous towards others. God will richly supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, um, help us to be a generous people, especially to our brothers and sisters in Christ who have need. Christ spilled His blood for them as He spilled His blood for us. I pray that uh, in every way You would make us um, you would richly supply us in order that we might be generous in every way. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.